0: Welcome to Divorce Conversations, Episode One. I'm going to go by Derek. I am Hazel. We're not using real names. Bear with us; it's our first episode. We are doing our best. So, we have divorce questions that will hopefully prompt a conversation.
1: Well, let's first get to know you a little bit. What? Uh, well, we know your name's Derek. So, Derek, how old are you?
0: I'm 37. And where are you from? California, originally. All right.
1: And how long have you been divorced?
0: Uh, Just shy of eight years, actually. Yeah, it'll be eight years here in, oh, wow, eight years in a month and a half.
1: How does that feel?
0: Not great. I've spent at least six of those eight years in court, uh, still fighting for custody or working out some issue or another. So not fantastic, but I would say better than being married was.
1: (laughs) How long were you married for?
0: Just shy of 11 years. Yeah, literally like two weeks shy.
1: So getting close to being almost divorced as long as you have been married in a couple years.
0: I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, I wish I could tell you that it was total freedom as soon as the papers were signed. Uh, Not the case at all there I would say that my life has improved.
1: Well, that's good. Have you remarried?
0: No, uh, not remarried. I don't think I plan to.
1: <laughs> so I'm assuming you're not dating then.
0: For the most part, no, no, not really. Occasionally, maybe once a year, every other year, the bug will hit me, but otherwise no. Who's got time to <clears throat> date or get married? I've spent the last six years in court. And then the kids are with me half the time, this 50-50 custody arrangement, which I love. I love seeing my kids. You know, I'd have them with me full-time if I could. But between full-time provider, right, and then taking care of my kids, spending time with them, making sure that time is of quality. And then somehow in there finding time to date, all while also being in court on and off for six years. No, that doesn't really leave a... (laughs) A whole lot of time or optimism for the dating game.
1: Well, life is long. Have you ever thought about maybe remarrying? I've thought about it.
0: The thoughts crossed my mind with great aversion Uh, because I would never want to go through all of this again. And I still haven't figured out how I ended up in this mess in the first place. I think I mostly have, but I'm not 100% sure that it wouldn't happen again, if that makes sense. But I'm still young enough that I would love to have more kids. So there's a little part of me that goes, well, maybe under the right circumstances. But man, would those circumstances need to be very specific. Um, So I'd say that's a... I wouldn't say no, not ever. But I'd say that's a very low probability. I wouldn't put money on it.
1: I feel like it's hard to see a future when you're not out of where you are currently. Yeah. So I... I can see that
0: yeah I think that's a that's a big thing absolutely it is I think you're 100% on the money
1: well let's talk a little bit about more about your divorce so let's start with how did you meet your former spouse
0: we met in high school Uh, we were I think it was it was my senior year of high school her junior year of high school Uh, she would not give me the time of day in high school (laughs) But uh, then I left school, and I went off and joined the military, and I guess that makes you sexy. And, <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, older,
1: military...
0: Like a year, not even a year old, like eight months older.
1: Different <laughs> grade. In high school, yeah, that means different a lot. Grade.
0: The older you get, the less that matters, right? But the younger oh. you are, that whole grade level difference is such a big deal. Such an older man. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, high school, young and naive, we actually got married. I was 19, she was 18.
1: So how long did you guys date before you guys got married?
0: Well, we'd known each other for a while. Uh, We'd been through school together, right, at least that senior year. And then we really started dating after I got out of boot camp, which I think was the case for a lot of guys in the military, where all of a sudden we're in really good shape. We are now full-blown adults and supposed killing machines. (laughs) and so there's we're definitely more aggressive than the average person i think and more confident than any of us were in high school so that i think a lot of guys ended up the same way that i did they they were i was definitely not by any means the only one who got married young got married to someone they knew in high school and it just didn't last although mine lasted longer than most i went just two weeks shy of 11 years most guys I anyway, knew, I think when I was in the Marine Corps, the divorce rate was something like 79% of Marines who got married during mm. their first enlistment, divorced before the end of their first enlistment. It was, it was terrible. I don't know what those numbers are now, but I'm sure they're not great.
1: I probably not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All the other buddies I knew who got married during that time, they all got divorced. You, most of them within
1: the first two, three years. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, your divorce lasted pretty long. Yeah. So, um, well, you're well married. my
0: marriage both have been growing <laughs> <married>. strong.
1: <laughs> Just focusing on the positives yeah. here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it obviously took you a while to come, you know, you guys to come to the conclusion it wasn't working. So were there red flags from the beginning or is that something that happened gradually?
0: No, no. I think that's something that everybody notices, right? Is after the relationship's over or after your the relationship's in not a great place now you can see all the red flags right so there were all sorts of red flags i missed there were things people told me things uh without disparaging her reputation at all uh there, there were things people told me there were things that i saw some of it probably would have come out had i dated longer because even though we were we're friends and we didn't know each other we didn't actually date for that long i think from the time we started dating to the time we got married six months but i was repeatedly gone during those six months because i was in the military so i wasn't around a lot so it was more like i'm here
1: long distance
0: yeah long distance like right and things happened during that that time that definitely should have been red flags Right? Like this happened to me at a party and it was not, I made a mistake, it was this happened to me. And then if I go back and I look at other things in her life, everything was that way. It was always, this happened to me. It was never, I did something. And I'm not just talking about with me because when I first met her, we were just friends. She, I'd seen her date other guys and I'd seen what happened. And it was always the same story. It was, this happened to me. It was never, I did something stupid. And that should have been a red flag. There were there were all sorts of flags like that, right? There's that quote from BoJack Horseman that I steal all the time. You know, when you're looking at the world through rose-colored glasses, red flags just look like flags. So, yeah, I missed a lot of them.
1: Did you miss a lot of them, or did you just ignore a lot of them? Well,
0: red flags just look like flags, <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> yeah, did you ever... <laughs> Do you ever think those things would just get better, or did you just? No, think...
0: I think I I was much more naive than I am now. Mm-hmm. Right? I was much more. Well, there's an explanation for that with everything, and I've come to this point in my life where. And I'm not saying that bad things don't happen to people. Absolutely, they do. I'm saying when things repeatedly happen to people, it's not so much that things are repeatedly happening to a person as it is that that person is putting themselves in bad situations right, which is not good. It's one thing if, if something bad happens to me and you have to come help me out, like okay, one time some cop uh, does something, and I'm not bashing on cops, I have some friends who are cops and I think they're great people, but let's say one time I call you in the middle of the night, hey, this cop just had it out for me and he's saying that I was driving drunk, but I really wasn't, can you come bail me out? Okay, maybe once you buy that story, but if I keep telling you that story, At some point or another, you're going to go, dude, what's going on? Right? And that's where you start growing out of that naiveness. And I think I was very naive at that point where if somebody just told me, well, this is why these things happen in my life. Okay, sure. Then that's a perfect explanation. And then I should absolutely be the knight in shining armor and come and rescue you and we can go live happily ever after. That's not real life. And that's the point I've reached in life now is, okay, once, sure. Twice, that's on me, right? That's saying, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And that's what I've become, if that makes sense.
1: It's good to be cautious. Yeah. But it's also It's also bad. good to <laughs> open up a little bit, you know? Yeah,
0: because you close yourself off to things. Absolutely you do, which is not good in a dating situation.
1: I think the really, really rough thing is there are so many difficult or, like, not great people out there Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that I could understand your reservations there.
0: Right. And that's the real hard thing when you end up in one of these relationships, right? Because after it's over, at first, they always seem like this fantastic person. They're very attractive. They're very easy to get along with. Your friends like them. You like them. You never fight. Everything's going great. You like all the same stuff. And then if it ends up as bad as it is, and this person really hurts you, and they use things that they learn to hurt you, and they start portraying you as a monster, and they betray you in the worst ways possible for you, then you really have to ask yourself, how could I have been so fooled by this person? And it doesn't just affect the way that you date, it affects the way that you see the world, right? What, what's wrong with the way that I perceive the world that I was unable to spot this thing that has so derailed my life. There is clearly a shortfall somewhere. And until you identify that shortfall, I think you do end up cynical a bit and and bitter and resentful. And if you don't address that, I mean, if you do address that, then you're able to move on eventually. And now you move on the wiser at least, which is maybe not the best takeaway, but at least it's a takeaway and you can move forward. If you don't, then you just end up bitter for the rest of your life. And that's kind of where I'm teeter tottering right now, <laughs> in
1: my life. <laughs> yeah, it's good to learn from things, and it's good to to not be naive. But it's also good to learn to drop those cynical reservations a little bit at some point.
0: Right. So at some point, <laughs>
1: you're it's still finding,
0: eight years. Okay?
1: You're still finding that point. That's okay. Jeez, eight years is that enough? I don't know. Everybody has a different timeline. <laughs> Thankfully,
0: my therapist hasn't kicked me out yet, so that's good.
1: Oh. <laughs> Do they have like a timeline for that? Like, oh, yeah, I'm we gotta, pretty sure we got to cut him off right here. At this some is point, the they're like,
0: All right, he's just whining too much. <laughs>
1: it's okay as long as you keep paying them, I'm they'll, pretty they'll sure keep they, letting you come.
0: I'm pretty sure they teach that in psychology.
1: <laughs> oh, well, with your marriage overall, how would you rate it from a one to ten? Like, the whole oh, gosh, the whole time period or here's another question while you think about that was the beginning like the first half of the marriage better than the se- like second half like could you rate the first half different scale than the second half or if you just ra- rated it overall
0: I'd say that especially because we were 18 and 19 years old we were both very very immature So it was at no point great. The trouble as we got older, I mean, early on, and people say that I'm lying when I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it because it's absolutely true. We would fight at least once a day for the first two years of our marriage, at least once a day. And during that time, I started two of those fights. And we would sit down with, with, marriage counselors and with religious leaders and they would say things like you know that's not true you know it's not and she would have to correct them and go no yeah it is and that was the only way they would believe me is if she corrected them and said that was true which was so incredibly frustrating you know it's still frustrating to these day because no one will believe anything I have to say unless she. it sucks so for those first two years were just it was all not great. My gosh, it was all not great. I and mean, we, we separated and got back together so many times. So short answer, I would rate my marriage a two. Ten, ten being fantastic, one being the worst that's ever existed, I would put it in a two. If for no other reason than it drug out for so long. You you have to understand in my home, intimacy did not exist, Right? I have children, which is the only evidence that we were ever intimate. (laughs) Right?
1: Good indicator.
0: And (laughs) words like, thank you. I'm sorry. Please. How was your day? I love you. Those words did not exist in my home. If you had a child growing up in a home like that, people would wonder and they would maybe make a case for child abuse. That was my entire marriage for 11 years. And that was the best part was the stuff that wasn't there. Then there was all the awful things that were there. And oh my gosh, was it terrible. It was, It was, uh, yeah, I can honestly say, one being the absolute marriage, that's worst marriage that's ever existed, I'd rate it a two. Or at least the worst thing that I've gone through in my life. Maybe, yeah, Maybe that's a better way of putting it because I'm not familiar with all the marriages that are out there, right? For all I know, there's some couple where they were both trained MMA fighters and every night they break something. So... Yeah, but for me, in fact, if I have to go worst experience of my life, I'd rate it a negative one. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to give it a two, solid two.
1: (laughs) Okay, so the breaking point, who filed for divorce?
0: She did. She did. She filed for divorce. It was after uh, I lost a family member and i went to the funeral without her and i brought my kids and my one of my kids especially is is very needs a lot of attention and we were there and my family you know this is the the first family member i have ever lost and my family keeps coming up to me because i'm trying to struggle with the kids and at the same time i was one of the pallbearers and I was doing all these things. I'm crying my eyes out, man. I'm falling apart because uh, this person had had a very huge role in raising me. And they keep saying, "Where's your wife? Where's your wife?" You know, different people, not all at once, but throughout the time we're there, they keep, going, "Where's your wife?" And I kept having to say, make excuses for her, and I kept having to say, "Well, she's at class. She had class." And they all go, "Oh," knowing good and well, right? Like. That's not a good reason. That's not a good excuse not to be here. But we're not gonna get into this now because we're literally at a funeral. So that, I came back from that and uh, I was not in my right mind, but I needed someone. I needed someone to be there for me. I needed someone to be in my corner. I was not in a position where I could hold it together. I needed someone to be there for me for a change. And there was no one. And I still had to take care of the kids. And so when I came back, I uh, I said to her, I pulled her aside. She was coming back from the gym or something. And I pulled her aside into the bedroom. And I just looked at her and lasted maybe less than 30 seconds. I said, you don't love me. You're only here because you're afraid of the money situation if this ends because you don't have a regular paycheck. Is that true or false? She says, it's true. And I said, we need to end this and we need to end it fast. I was in mourning and I, I, I was still breaking out in tears six months later. Not over the divorce. over I mean, there were plenty of tears over that but over this person that I lost that I very much cared about. And so that that was my breaking point, is I needed somebody in who would be there for me. I, I was, you know, up until then it was very much, you got to hold it together. you got to stick it out for your family. This is what's best for your kids. I come, maybe not from a super religious background, but I live in very religious communities, I should say. And there's very much this feeling that the family is the most important thing. And I had conversations with religious leaders where things were said like, you know, you need to stick it out. Yes, it's terrible. Yes, these awful things are going on, but you know, you can function as a, as a type of savior for your family and years down the line, things will get better. And this was an ongoing theme, you know, therapy, marriage, marriage counseling, sitting down with religious leaders to try to get counseling and all these things. And it was always, you have to try to stick it out. This is what's best. This is what's best for you financially. This is how you'll be happier. This is what's best for the kids. This is this, this is that. I needed someone. And there was no one there. And I couldn't do it.
1: So do you think that... How long do you think your marriage would have lasted if you didn't have someone who passed away? If you didn't have, like, that breaking point, do you think you would still be married? Or do you think it no, would have ended at some I time?
0: think she would be a widow. I think I would have killed myself. I 100% believe that. That's where things were headed at that time. In fact, at the time that that happened, I was on antidepressants. And I, yeah, I would have ended myself, my life. I absolutely would have had I stayed in that marriage.
1: So what do you think, did things get, like, how were things right after it? You know, you guys separated. Did they get um, better for you? Did they get worse?
0: Depends what you mean. So well, I guess,
1: what are some negatives?
0: Well, well. From the divorce. Negatives. There's. (laughs) Financially, it was not the best thing. Um, (laughs) Well, yes and no. There was positive and negatives to the finances. So finances immediately, you have all of these legal expenses, right? Especially if it's a messy divorce, which initially, because we wanted it to be over so quick, it was very very cheap. I think it was like five hundred bucks, and I left her the the home in lieu of alimony. And the idea is 50-50 custody of the kids. But then the kids, she ended up being too busy playing The Bachelorette. Uh, So the kids were always with me. They pretty much lived with me. And uh, I was bringing them to work as often as I could. They were really, really young at this point. And so my employment at that time, thankfully was very, very accommodating. They would let me bring them in and they would color, they'd play on the computer in the back. And then they'd let me take a lot of time off. So immediately my income took a dive, right? And then my legal expenses went up. And then I left her the home, which renting where I live was more expensive than owning a home. So my expenses went up. So my income goes down, my expenses go up. My time with the kids goes up though. My stress level goes up, but within the year I would be off of antidepressants. Uh, So a lot of things got worse, but most of the things that got worse, they only got worse Because of her bitterness towards me, because she felt this need to hurt me, to use the kids against me, to end up in court and things like that. As far as my life, myself and things that I've done just on my own without marriage, I mean, the biggest challenge was I wasn't allowed to handle money when I was married, so I never knew how much was in my bank account, so I never knew how to balance money or anything like that, which is hilarious because growing up, I was taught that was such an important thing. Then I got married and I absolutely was not allowed to. That was her domain. And so I was doing things like, okay, well, how much money do I need to furnish an apartment, right? Because I want to take care of her. So I left her all this stuff trying to take care of her. And that was not a smart move. <laughs> I ended up living on a lot of handouts at first. I really did. Even my children's beds were actually a gift from a friend who his kids had outgrown them years ago and he had them in storage. So there were a lot of, all my negatives were financial and emotional stress responses due to her anger and animosity towards me. Everything else was okay or better.
1: So what are the positives? What did you gain from getting the divorce?
0: I have a home I come home to now and it's at peace. I don't come home to a fight. I don't come home to anybody telling me I'm a monster or trying to convince me that I am, or anybody else, or at least no one else in my circles. Because everybody who associates with me, they know me, and they know what kind of person I am. As opposed to them being fed this story, these absolute lies, and then having to take a side. Whereas now, it's more like, yeah, okay, they'll hear that stuff, sure. But they spend significantly more time with me than they do with her, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of obvious what my true character is. I'd say that my positives are, in general, I have more peace. And because I have more peace at home, I have more energy resources to put towards other things like improving myself. I can't go to school because, like I said, I've spent six of the last eight years in court. And I've tried to go to school, and every time something comes up and it just completely wrecks it. But there's been other ways that I've been able to improve myself. I've had more control over my finances, so I know how the finances work. I'm not living in a place of fear, if that makes sense, which is a weird thing for a man to say. <laughs> but for, for men, it's weird because I think a lot of married men operate out of fear without knowing they're operating out of fear. I think a lot of women, when they say, well, I operate out of fear of him, immediately the picture that comes to mind is, oh, this man is going to punch them in the face or, or they're going to do something that's going to wreck their life or they're going to emotionally abuse them. For men, it's more, I'm not operating out of a fear of displeasing her because that will wreck my day and wreck my week. And I'll have, I'll be staying up till midnight, one in the morning arguing with her and then I'll have to go to work at 6 a.m. Right? I, I can get a full night's rest now every night, and it's great. Nobody's up late fighting with me. I can turn off my phone. I can go to work, and no one's going to show up at my work and start a fight. And if they do, the security will escort them out. Right, I have friends that I can keep that aren't alienated from me. So I'd say if my divorce is a two, or sorry, if my marriage was a two, My divorce, as awful as it's been, I'd rate that as three or four, so better than the marriage, although it's been awful. And my life in general, anything that hasn't touched the divorce, it's been good. Has absolutely been positive. Despite what all those religious leaders and statistics and therapists said. And I'm not knocking religion. I'm just saying they were wrong.
1: So with everything said and done and you're at where you are now, how would you describe your spouse?
0: That's tough because I've, I've really tried to take steps where I don't speak negatively about people. Uh, I will describe her as attractive, ambitious, and intelligent.
1: (laughs) How would she describe you?
0: as whatever she'd have to describe me to get you to be on her side. <laughs> I've literally heard her describe me as this amazing father that loves to be with his kids, that loves his kids more than anybody when somebody was, when the right person was watching, in this case it was a mediator. And then I've heard her describe me as an abusive bastard, as the devil, as all the things you could imagine anything any married man or divorced man has ever been accused of i'm sure she's <laughs> thrown my way so she would describe me as whatever she'd have to it to fit her argument at the moment
1: sounds about right <coughs> that's unfortunate
0: yes yes it is not great for the kids tell you that much
1: What do you wish other people knew about your situation?
0: I wish they knew that I wasn't a monster. Because for for a long time, I believed I was. I really did. She spent a long time telling me and convincing me that I was, and then telling and convincing everybody around us that I was. And I had to have friends who knew me, who'd known me for years, oh my gosh, I'm old enough to say this, decades, to go, no, dude, you're not. You have faults, yeah, so does everybody. But overall, you're a pretty decent guy. And that's helped a lot, a lot more than I think I've ever told any of my friends. But it's gone a long way.
1: How long did it take to come to that conclusion?
0: Years, 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 years. And it didn't come from therapy, it didn't come from, uh, from church, both of which are good things, I'm not knocking either of those, both are positive things in your life, but it came from being open to myself. It came from associating with new people and with old people and keeping and maintaining friendships. It came from having honest conversations with myself about my own shortcomings. And I think in some ways, It started for me at one point where I knew that these rumors were going around about me and all these things were being told about me. And I remember at one point where I actually wasn't depressed. I was off antidepressants, had been for a few years at this point. And I wasn't depressed this night. I was actually pissed off this night. And, oh, I shouldn't say that word. I was very angry this night. (laughs) And I said, all right, fine, I'll be a monster but I'll be the monster I want to be. And that's when it started. And that slowly evolved into, no, I'm not. I just get labeled the monster because I don't agree and because I won't do what people tell me to do. Because I believe that there's other ways to do things and because I stand up for those things, I get labeled the monster. So it took me a long time to come to that conclusion. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot.
1: Do you have anything else on your mind? Anything else you want to say?
0: Well, the thing with divorce is there's always a lot. There's always plenty. It never, especially if you're in a high conflict situation like I am, it never ends. It never ends. So what I would like to say is maybe to anybody who hears this, um, who's going through it, I would say things that my friends have said to me, you know, other people have gone through it. And they've come out the other side. You can go through it. And you can come out the other side. It's not great. There will be tears. And I'm not calling myself a crybaby. I was in the military, okay? I've worked a lot of blue-collar jobs. As far as I'm concerned, my man card is platinum status. Okay, so...
1: You deserve to cry, damn it.
0: I will cry if I feel like it. And I dare you to say something. (laughs) But... Which, which is sad because I think, you know, there's a, some statistics around suicide. Women tend to report higher levels of depression. Men don't report depression. I don't know if it's just that they don't report it or if it doesn't happen. But statistically, men commit suicide at four times the rate women do. Men going through a divorce at eight times the rate. Veterans, like myself, nine times the rate. These are some awful statistics that nobody cares about or addresses which I think are absolutely terrible, are absolutely terrible. And so I, I would say to every guy I know out there who's going through something like this, and women too, if you could take something from the story, it will be okay eventually. You just got to get through right now.
1: So, well, thank you for sharing.
0: Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, Anytime.